Take your Bible, if you would please, tonight, for just a little while, and I mean that literally, just a little while, the book of the Revelation, chapter number 3, the book of the Revelation, chapter number 3, and turn there with me, if you would please, and I'd like to just speak with you for a little while tonight on the observations of an old man that where we might have arrived in the 21st century is everything like we act like all right. Just a few observations. If you have lived in the 20th century and then come into the 21st century, you probably have seen a lot of changes. If you entered the 20th century without a cell phone, no tweets or twerks, and you ended the 20th century with 300 tweets, You've seen a lot of change. And I just been pastor now a long time. And I just like to, to talk to you a little bit tonight about let's, uh, let's be a, an instrument of stability and not the victim of change. Everything that you're experiencing tonight's not bad. You know, I'm glad that my backyard could catch on fire, and some of you folk knew it before I did. Tweet. Is that what it is called? Is tweet, Jim, or twerk? What, what, somebody tell me what? Tweet. Okay. Like Tweety Bird, right? Now, I can always remember that now. Tweet. Tweety Bird. We're living in, in, a, in a wonderful time. Amen. Our church is growing uh, numerically, spiritually, financially, economically. Uh, it just seems like uh, our families are being blessed, and I'm glad of that. Many of them, you know. And uh, but I, I just, I, I just felt that I needed to talk to you tonight out of the Book of Revelation, chapter number uh, three. I want to talk to you out of verse 14 through 22. And you're very familiar now with the text. And verse number 14, it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, The church of the Laodiceans. It could be that the Apostle Paul started the church in Laodicea. And I say that because in Colossians chapter number 4 and verse number 16 has reference to a letter that he had sent to that church that had been lost. Laodicea is a very, very wealthy city founded by Antiochus II, named after his wife Laodice. The city was strategically located with three main arteries of highways 
It was highly commercial. And Paul and John is writing to the church of the Laodiceans. In a city that's highly commercial, was well known for its banking industry and its availability to black wool and was a pharmaceutical center known for salve, especially eye salve. So they transported and shipped this uh, products out and the city had become very, very wealthy. They had built theaters, huge stadiums, lavish public baths. I've never been to one of them. And huge shopping centers. Sound familiar? Sounds like a typical American city, doesn't it? So wealthy the city was that when it was destroyed by an earthquake, the people of Laodicea refused help from Rome to rebuild the city, and the wealthy merchants rebuilt the city. It was a great place to live, the land of opportunity. Sounds familiar. Kind of like America. Real estate agents did well in Laodicea because everybody moved there in hopes of some opportunity. Sounds like Texas, does it not? The problem was Christians had become victims of their environment. Christians had become victims of their prosperity. their privileges and the provisions of God in their life. And Paul is right, I mean, John is writing to a church steeped in prosperity. They knew nothing about driving a chariot that was not air-conditioned. All their chariots were of the upper shalom. Sound familiar? Man, this sounds like a funeral tonight. The church at Laodicea had become a victim of its environment. Now, let me read on, if you would, please. Don't get mad. We're just going to have a good time. These sayings saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, 
Do you know any lukewarm Christians? You say, preacher, what is lukewarm? Not heart, nor cold. Indifferent, if you please, to the will of God and very conscientious of their own will. Maybe they have embraced not the Bible as the final authority, but their experience as the final authority. And God says, show them because thou art lukewarm. Now, I'm not preaching to you folks. You're just here tonight, and I'm preaching to everybody who's not here. Amen. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art rich, wretched, and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Paul said, the chief industry in your city is eye sad, and you folk are blind as bats. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I Grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That last verse is a tremendous verse. A great message was preached from the pulpit this morning. A great message on healing the hurts and disappointments and hardships and hard feelings and unforgiveness and all of that. And the solution and the remedy for fixing all of those was preached this morning. I dare say I ask how many left with hard feelings towards somebody. How many left this morning with burdens that almost too hard to carry and yet you responded not? We brag about being members of a church and not walking down the aisle for months and months and months. Well, that's nothing to brag about. That's something you need to pray about. May I say to you, you need to develop a spiritual ear you may hear what the Spirit saith and then repent 
and get it right with God. Shall we pray? I pray, pray, Father, tonight that you please just quicken my thoughts. and, And Lord, may the words I say tonight not be my words, but I pray they may be words of encouragement and enlightenment and uplifting and, Lord, even revealing if, if need be. And I thank you tonight for the opportunity to preach and, and be a part of this great church. Thank you so very much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're living in some very unusual days. We're living in days when the cost of living, the cares of life, and the confusion in our land is concerning us more than the will of God for our life. We are more interested in the 6 o'clock news than we are John chapter number 3. We are more concerned about our economic situation than we are he that when a souls is wise. I'm saying our concern today is Obamacare, Benghazi, Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Egypt. We don't even know how to spell most of those names. We gripe about our president and we complain about the administration and how we let our ambassador down in Benghazi, and we did. Without a shadow of a doubt, they pulled back and left him without any hope of all of coming home. But that should not be the main concern of a child of God. We're living in a day of compromise. We're living in a day of complacency, confusion, and contentment. We're perfectly content with being confused and complacent and compromising. Thank you, John. God bless you. Thank you for at least saying amen when I need it. Christ has taken the back seat in the American home. Christ has taken the back seat in most of our homes. Christians have become addicted. Some of you folk need to come to RU and bring your cell phone. If you can get it, pulled out of your ear. Addicted. I'm, boy, did you hear that high tone? I'm going to start singing soprano in the choir next week. Addicted we have become to television, cell phones, internet, social media, athletics, hobbies of every sort in the world, and we are addicted to those things. I heard a radio commercial the other day said that addiction is the disease of the brain. I agree. Lack thereof. That'll settle in after a while. 
addicted, bless your heart. What does your body do when you realize you left your phone at home? Do you go into convulsions? Does your skin run right off the end of your toenails? No phone. What am I going to do without my phone? Do you get the shakes? Are we psychologically, physiologically addicted? To that stuff. Could you name your favorite programs throughout the week in prime time after the Olympics are off? I've never seen so much ice. Even if it is homemade ice in all my life. Could I please for just a moment take a biblical summation of where we have arrived in the 21st century. A biblical summation, an old man's observation of where we are and what it's going to take to get us back to where God would want us to be. Would you allow me that? You might as well say yes. Either that or get up and leave. Because I just believe that we have arrived at a place that we're probably not going to benefit from. For instance, may I say to you tonight in just some short points, number one, our country has become calloused. Our church has become cold. Christians have become content. And Christ most definitely is concerned. Would it be all right if we just dive into those just for a minute? Our country has become Calloused, hard, without feelings, calloused with sin. We live in a Christian sinful nation. Sin, if you please, has calloused. Not only the unregenerate, but sin has calloused the Christian as well. We have watched calluses are made by repetition. When I was just a wee lad, back me and Noah was working at a sawmill. If you've never worked at a sawmill, you've, lived, you've missed half your living. As a 13-year-old boy, 
working at a sawmill. And my job was to off-bear the slabs. And Carmack would pull that lever. The trolley would go through the saw. The slab would fall on rollers and come rolling down a long period of rollers. And I was to be standing at the rollers when that slab came off. And I would take that slab and walk it to the top of a huge slab pile and throw it over and be back before the next slab came off. Everything worked well until I started to go home the first evening and my hands looked as though somebody had taken their own pocket knife and just sliced my hands in all directions. And I went home that night and my mom, my mom said to me, you're not going back tomorrow. A boy of your intelligence, your inventive nature, your creativity, a leader of men does not need to be off-bearing slabs. But I went back anyhow. And then I went back. And then I went back. And through repetition, it wasn't long till those hands didn't look like they had been sitting at a typewriter. They looked like they had been off-bearing slabs, and they had grown tough and calloused. Callous is a result of repetition. You've heard so much gospel, you're hard to it. You've heard so much Bible. It don't bother anymore. We have become calloused. How long has it been since you wept over a sinner? He that go fair weeping, bearing precious seed. How long has it been since you sat in a church service and you knew somebody around you or close to you was lost and not a tear not a tear kissed your cheek but instead what time are we getting out of this place how long is the old man going to keep us today boy I sure wish you had studied last night I'd have got something out of this callous America is callous. Sin has hardened America. Jeremiah, in your Bible, chapter 2. And I read about a nation that has grown calloused. Jeremiah 2 and verse 11, and I know the references to Israel, and I know that God is talking about his chosen people. But I ask you tonight, if God was 
upset at Israel for becoming cold and hard and unfeeling, would he do the same tonight to a church that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Notice, if you would please, verse number 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are not, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed the glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Can I ask you please tonight, has America forsaken God? Could I ask you again, please, has Christian America forsaken God? And the Bible said you have committed two evils. You have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed you out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. To the same nation, Isaiah penned, Ah, sinful nation, verse 1 and verse 4 of Isaiah. Ah, sinful nation. Surely, America does not qualify to be a sinful nature and a sinful nation. I read for you verse Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a sin, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why? Should ye be stricken any more, ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. Now, he's not talking about a human being. He's talking about a nation. The whole head is sick. Could I ask you, is Washington sick tonight? Corrupt, if you please. The whole head is sick and the heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been clothed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. I declare to you tonight that America is sick. Sin sick. And we have accepted her sin. The Bible said the whole head is sick and the heart is faint. Jeremiah 6 and verse 15. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. That's where America is tonight. I heard recently on sports radio that Michael Sams was coming out of the closet. 
My question is, what's he doing living in there anyhow? Ain't very, not very profitable living in a closet. Unless there's something you want to hide or shield or keep secret. I just wonder, why didn't they announce when the other star athletes came out of the closet from committing fornication with every ball groupie in the world? Does God bless fornication? and condemn homosexuality. Why should it be a big story that one athlete is a homo? When most of the other athletes are homemongers. Amen, preacher. Amen. Why don't whoremongering make the news? Why don't Ben and Jerk talk about whoremongers? Well, I know you don't understand this. I know it's over your head. But we should never condemn the person but the sin. We should never get mad and angry at the person. You say, well, they're not as good a sinner as I am because... They are a homosexual sinner, and I am a fornicating sinner. Some of you look like this ain't settling too good in the nest in which you are sitting on. We as Christians condemn homosexuals and practice adultery and fornication in our pews. Is a fornicative Christian more holy than a homosexual sinner who is not saved? Then why should it make the news? We're sick. We accept fornication and adultery because everybody's doing it. We come out of the closet with that about 10, 20 years ago. That lost its thing 20 years ago. That's not bad anymore. Why? That's just accepted. Preachers can go out with their secretaries here and then move to Cleburne and start a church. But we won't let a homo do that. Because they're more weird than we are. Listen. A Bible truth you need to get a hold of. Any sex... All sex is wrong and is a sin outside of marriage. And in the Bible, it is condemned over and over. But we have decided that it's not so bad. After watching the worm wiggle, the stomach up chirp, the world spin, and in our search to tomorrow, 
we all went down Flamingo Road and ended up in General Hospital. We've been watching adultery and fornication on television so long. That's just one of them deals. But now that gay business, that's going to take us a while. They, they need to stand closed a little bit longer. We'll accept it sooner or later, just like we accepted the other, because this nation is sick. Sin, sick. We're sick spiritually. We're sick financially. We're sick domestically. We're sick morally. What kind of individual will kill a baby and save a tree? What kind of person will abort a baby and put a man in prison for aborting a dog? Sick, man. We're sick. I said, we're sick. We've hugged trees too long. We need to start hugging our wives. There's more feeling in that. And it lasts a lot longer. But we're sick. Listen to me. Spiritually, can I please just give you some observations? It was that time when spirituality meant something to Christians. There was a time when spirituality was premier and spirituality was priority, but now our spirituality in our churches have given way to advertisement and organization and showmanship. Preaching, bless your heart, used to be used to convert the sinner. Now it's frowned upon if anybody raised their voice instead they speak in a monotone tone to put us to sleep. And if it's too long, our nap is too long. Theology and truth has been replaced, now listen, by experience. You know, I've talked to folks and, and argued, don't like to argue, but years ago I'd love to argue with folks because I thought I knew everything. And I used to talk to folk about speaking in tongues and and sometimes my wife speaks in tongues at home. She says things that these ears should not hear. Like, get up, you lazy bum. But I have discussed certain biblical doctrines, biblical truths with people. And if you push far enough, They'll always say, now listen, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I feel. I know what happened to me. It's a bad day when we build our spiritual stand on experience 
and not the Word of God. In America, we have done that. The Bible is no longer the final authority in faith and practice. Feelings have replaced faith. And practice is now a matter of self-gratification. Would you agree? We're not going to church today. I don't feel like it. We can feel like going to work. Our nation's sick. You think about abortion. You think about the unwed single parenting in our nation. And the unwed parents are being rewarded by our government and encouraged to do more of it. The more babies, the more welfare. The more babies, the more money for education. Our, our, our nation is sick. I wonder how much Magic Johnson got for his commercial to get people to sign up on our Obamacare. He probably did it because he cares so much about the middle class. In fact, he cares so much He's encouraging them to get it because it costs more than it did before they had Obamacare. I just wonder, does any of you remember when going to church meant something? Could I ask you please, who or what is setting the standard morally in our country. We seem to have none. Half time at our biggest football games is nothing but nudity on display. I wonder why that now our 4.30 news in the morning, which lasts till 9, and our four o'clock news in the evening, which lasts till six, are all manned by tightly dressed females. What's wrong with having no ugly anchor man? Could it be folk don't watch them anymore? Could it be that our morals is absolutely shot? And you notice none of those ladies wear anything loose. Preacher, are you weird? You've been noticing? Yeah. Have you noticed? You say, no. I say, you're a liar. I wonder, am I just weird? Who is setting the moral standards in America? Or what is setting the moral standards in America? 
Or better yet, what or who is setting the moral standards in your life? Is it the government? Could it be the media? Or maybe Hollywood? A peradventure the ACLU, that great organization that's fighting for the freedom of mankind? Or could it be uh, education? We're smarter than we've ever been. Of course, it's costing ten times as much. Or is it the church that's setting the moral standards? Now, could I reiterate in my 70 years the government has changed? In my 70 years the media has changed? When I was just a wee lad, even in the movies, Husband and wife slept in different beds, black and white. Yes, Lone Ranger, Randolph Scott. Yes, quality movies. But in my lifetime, Hollywood has changed. Now, what is set in the moral standards in your life? Is it changing? Has the moral standards in your life changed? Moral? What are you talking about? What do you think about abortion? What do you think about nakedness? What do you think about being faithful to the mate you promised God to honor and cherish and care for and treat as they should be? What do you think about church attendance? Morality? What or who is govern your standards. It seems as though there's no standards because it looks like everything around us is changing. Secular humanism has replaced Christianity. We have become our own creator. We become our own God. We are now given our own orders and God is left out. I'm just saying, who or what is deciding the standards in your life? I wonder tonight, where does the Bible, Jesus Christ, Faith, love, truth, commitment, where do they come to play in the average Christian's life? On a scale of 1 to 10, where do those things rank in our life? Do those come in after work or do those come in before you go to work and last all day? In our decisions... Where does those things rank in priority? And where or who is deciding the moral standards in your life? Because more than likely, those are the same ones govern our nation's morality. Would you declare with me that our nation is sick?
She's sick from her head to her heart. She's sick from her head to her feet. And we are some of the cause. Whatever happened to those men who'd stand up with a backbone like a railroad tie and heart as big as a watermelon and with tears in their eyes would declare that here I stand and will not move. It's the word of God. Where's those men gone? Oh, I know. They're in the closet. Christian, don't you think it's about time you come out of the closet? Is there something about this thing of Christianity and Jesus Christ? Is there something that you're trying to keep secret that you're ashamed of? That you got it in the closet? Hey, look, if the homos can come out, why can't we Christians come out? The old man's gone crazy. Our nation is sick morally. She's sick monetarily. You're broke and don't even know it. Did you know my grandbabies were born? They were born $54,352.87 in debt. Every one of them. Have you got that up there in the top, JD? Uh, JT? You show it just a minute, just flash it up there. You want to read that number? 17 trillion, 265 million, billion, 384 million, 585,517 cents. That was your national debt, let me see, when was that? September 30, 2012. Now let me help you just a little bit, could I? Look at that number. At 1 o'clock today, it was 17 trillion, 294 million, I mean billion, two hundred and eighty-three million six hundred and twenty-eight thousand six hundred and sixty-six dollars. Five and a half hours later at six thirty, we went a hundred and fifty-eight million eight hundred and seventy-five thousand and ninety-nine dollars deeper in debt in five and a half hours. Every day, every day, your nation, our nation, goes $2.38 billion in debt every day. And that is added to the debt that we now have. You're broke. 
You say, thank God for FDIC. My money is insured. Yeah, by the Chinese. Does that look like God's blessings on a nation? My daily devotion is carrying me through the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah and the Lamentations. And over and over God says, would you repent? Oh, backsliding Israel, if you'll return, I'll return unto you. Oh, repent. Would you repent? Would you repent? If you don't repent, there's going to be a foe out of the north. I'm going to bring somebody out of the north. Their soldiers will be vicious. The horses will prance. And they will surround the city. And you will literally eat your own babies. And you move into lamentation. It means to weep. And the Bible says, And Jerusalem remembered. You know where she was when she remembered? by the river Kibar. Four and a half month journey across the Arabian desert in Babylon as slaves, as victims. If God did not allow um, uh, Jerusalem to get away with it, why should we think God's going to let this nation get away with it. You say, that don't bother me. You know why? Because in America we have become not only callous by sin, we have become content with self. The only guy that matters is the guy that's wrapped up in this rag right here. Jim, you don't matter. Nobody matters. I matter. That's America's mentality. Step on everybody you can to get whatever you can and can whatever you get. There is no longer a, a Christian spirit in America. There's no longer love your brother in America. It's do unto thy brother before your brother does it unto you so that you'll come out on top. You know, we've just become content. If our two-acre and a half track and our three-bedroom, ten-bath with a TV room Don't bother that situation. Let her rip. Hmm? We have become very, very selfish. It's my time. It's my car. It's my house. It's my land. They're your kids. I don't want to pay for them. I'm just kidding. Mine, mine, mine. 
It's my future. It's my success. It's my life. I'm going to live it like I want to live it because I only got one. That's the mentality in America. If you don't believe me, watch the news tonight. Guns is not the problem. It's the people with the guns that saying what's yours should be mine and I'm going to get it. Amen. The Democrats are not worried about me. The Republicans are not worried about me. They're not worried about our country. They just voted to raise the ceiling limit again, the, the credit limit again. And my soul, I just wonder, how broke is broke? And I know we bragged all this time, and I'm going to close. Well, who in the world is big enough and mean enough and crazy enough to repossess us? Red China. You won't know anything else is coming to ask me. They're not building bicycles. They're building war armaments. Yeah. That debt's going to come due with Red China. And our spiritual debt's going to come due with somebody that's more powerful than Red China. You say, preacher, are you going to do the church and Christian and Christ tonight? No, I'm done. He said, dear Lord, I'm glad you ain't going to cover all that tonight. Notice, in closing, let me show you something. Verse 18 of Revelation 3, I counsel thee. That's what that's what Jesus said. The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, pure gold. Gold without any fragments of impurity. Gold that has not been messed with by human hands. Ask me, and I'll give you some real wealth. Didn't he say, the Lord giveth wealth and addeth no sorrow to it? Would you like to name me a millionaire that died happy? You say, I don't know any. I know quite a few. Most men have rent their health, get in their wealth, and then spend their wealth trying to get back their health. But what would he what do we learn from history? Nothing. Buy of me pure gold. Notice. That thou mayest be what? Rich. 
white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. White raiment, the righteousness of the saints. And that their shame of their nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes for thy say. White that thou mayest be what? Preach, I don't see what you're talking about tonight. Well, ask God to put some spiritual eyesight in your, in your eyes. And then he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I believe, I believe God loves America. I believe God has blessed America. I believe God loves his church and God has blessed his church. But I think there's a need of a lot of repenting. And he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and do what? How long has it been since you just had an old-fashioned, repentant time with God? You say, preacher, I have nothing to repent of. I double-dog dare you. I don't know what that means. Somebody said that one time right before I hit him. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. How long has it been since you just knelt at an altar and says, God, I don't have anything specific right now on mine. But I'm going to close my eyes and shut my mouth, and everything you roll by, I'll repent of. Say, I don't have anything to repent of, only lying. Only pride. You show me a sinner that sinned recently, and I'll show you somebody that's in heaven already. Amen? How many of you guys are married? Raise your hand. Is there, you know, is there any little that your wife might be guilty of that just lights your fuse? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Wives, raise your hand. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Nobody! You bunch of lying women, you know that's the truth. Hey, I don't see any halos tonight. We need to humble ourselves we need to realize that God is not past taking us to the woodshed and dealing with us as with children because God disciplines and chastens every child he receives. I think we need to have an old-fashioned repentant service where that we confess to God that we've just settled in and become used to everything going on around us and it don't look as bad as it used to. In fact, we've accepted some of it. I have nothing against the homosexual crowd no more than I have against the straight crowd that ain't straight no more. I don't know 
what's straight about being heterosexual. I guess not being heterosexual is crooked. Opposite of straight is what? Did God die for the straight and the unstraight? Does God love the straight and the unstraight? But God hates sin of the straight and the unstraight alike. Don't let anybody put you in a corner that homosexuality is something special. It is not special. It is sin. And God hates sin, but loves the sinner. And so do we love the sinner. Amen? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You just need an old-fashioned repentance and find out what God says about all this stuff. Amen? Now, I wouldn't want to raise a kid that was a bona fide whoremonger. That would certainly interfere with my family. And I would not want to raise my kid in the home of a pronounced practicing whoremonger. I would not want that whoremonger, straight whoremonger, influencing my children. But now I could condemn that straight whoremonger. Never make television. It'll never make the sports radio programs. It'll never be discussed if I condemn a straight whoremonger that's leading my child in that same path. But what if I condemn a homosexual? and say that I do not want my children around that lifestyle, that would make the front page of the Star-Telegram. Why? That's the only question. Why? You know why? Politics. Pressure. Why is it everybody in America has accepted one? Hmm? It makes a big deal out of accepting the other. No big deal. They've just accepted sin, and God rejects sin. We're sick. Now listen. Just take your coat and kind of open it like that. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know who's knocking? The first of the creation of God, the faithful witness, the faithful and true. He's standing at the door of our church tonight knocking. At the heart door of your life, he's knocking. He said, it's not right that I should be outside knocking trying to come in. I should have been in there all along. 
I knock, if you'll open the door, I will come.